Hello, everyone, and Merry Christmas! Welcome to God and All Things. I'm Tori. And I'm Kariana. And today it is Christmas Day when this is going on. And we are, of course, discussing A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, the quintessential Christmas story that a lot of others are based on, including The Grinch, if you think about it. This is like the OG of the grumpy hate Christmas miser who is transformed it's true into a better person and we are so. victorian fans and dickens fans so yes. it was just it had to be Meant it had to, to be, be. so <laughs> let's start off with a brief little summary given by kariana and then we'll discuss some personal experiences okay so probably all of you <laughs> at least most of you know the basic story of a christmas carol but ebenezer scrooge is a mean and selfish old man who refuses to show kindness to anyone, whether stranger, associate, or even family. Fortunately for him, he receives a surprise visit from an old business partner who reminds him of what kind of reward awaits those who lack charity, as well as the fact that we all have the chance to change our ways. Wonderful, nice little short synopsis of that. Um, Personal (laughs) experiences, yes, it's a very short book. So, you know, if you haven't read it... It yeah. really doesn't take My copy is literally so like it. 68 pages. <laughs> There's also a million audiobooks read by yes. celebrities. A so, free one yeah. on Audible mm-hmm. by Hugh Grant. So yes. we love mm-hmm. free There's and we love Hugh Grant. free one by Tim Curry as well. Oh. <laughs> love style, Tim Curry so. and love free. So Yes. So good stuff. <laughs> um, but as far as personal experiences go. So I grew up like many other people watching adaptations of it Muppets Christmas Carol of course was a staple of my childhood and then you I can't also... see her shirt it's oh, a yes my it's, it's you can't uh, see it very uh, well okay on YouTube you can kind of see it <laughs> it is wherever you find love it feels like Christmas she sang it for me a minute yes. ago you guys are missing out <laughs> yes you missed my lovely singing actually it was probably recorded because I think everything was on at that point so yeah the thumbnail does not have the shirt on me we filmed the thumbnail before oh. I realized that I needed to change so but usually we're all covered up by words anyway yeah. <laughs> on our thumbnails so it's fine anyway so yes I saw a lot of adaptations I didn't actually read the book until sometime in high school I think although I will say I actually received a copy of it in third grade oh. actually we had like this like my teacher would do random kind of like book receiving giving kind of things where it would be like musical chairs and like Mm. when you landed on a certain one like that was the book you got or whatever and I got a Christmas carol back then and I never read it after that (laughs) until I was a lot older but I think part of it was just I didn't totally understand the Victorian language at that point. It was intimidating. So I read it when I was older and honestly I think just because I had seen so many adaptations I was just like yep that was a Christmas Carol. Like right. it just didn't surprise me in any way or anything, which you know is fine. And then I reread it again. So I okay, backtrack. There's this book called Jacob T. Marley. 
that was written a few years ago that is Jacob Marley's perspective on A Christmas Carol and I loved it. I was like it's so good the author did a great job writing sort of Dickensian um, so it had that same kind of whimsical magic that Charles Dickens has but they also were members of the church so they kind of incorporated oh. a little bit of doctrine into it but still remaining true to the original story and then it explores Marley's growth in the afterlife in the spirit world basically wow. so while Scrooge is experiencing his growth Marley's watching there to watch even though Scrooge can't see him but then the spirits end up working with him and taking him on his own journey as right. well to go back in time and see right. all the different things that he missed. Because it is kind of the big thing that this is missing, right? Is that yes. Marley, it's like too, you get the sense that it's too late for him. Mm -hmm. And we know that yeah, that's not necessarily true. Yeah. yeah. And then it has this beautiful scene at the end where like when Scrooge dies, like they meet in the spirit world. And it's actually so good. What the I heck? freaking no, love I want to read it. Okay. You should. It's not even very long either. So I love it. Anyway, so I read that. And then I reread A Christmas Carol and I was actually kind of disappointed because I was like, <laughs> why is Jacob T. Marley actually like more interesting to me? Maybe it's just because we don't obviously have all the adaptations. But this time around, I, I think I went into it with more of a just to enjoy the original story, the classic story and Dickens's writing. And then also approaching it with more of a focus on the change that Scrooge goes through and the power of Christ in his life. I ended up enjoying myself a lot more this time than mm -hmm. I have in the past reading it. So yeah, I really liked it. I think it's enjoyable. It's not like a groundbreaking story, obviously. I mean, it was at the time, but for us nowadays, not so much. But I do love Dickens's writing and it's, yeah. enjoy it's an enjoyable experience to read. Yeah, I don't know. We didn't like grow up watching a lot of Christmas movies. And so I knew the story, but honestly, like, couldn't actually name an adaptation that mm. I've seen for you. Like, mm -hmm. I don't, I guess one that I remember, like a Donald Duck one that oh, comes yeah. to mind. Yeah, that comes to mind. The Mickey Mouse one. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's like the only one that I really have any specific memory of. So mm -hmm. I don't, like, I knew the story, but like, I really, I don't know. I, <laughs> it was yeah. never a big thing for me. Yeah, I saw at Hale Center Theater, they do it every year, oh, right? Yeah. And mm -hmm. my stepmom, actually has a friend who she used to act with who has played Scrooge in it for like the past seven years or something crazy right. like that. Maybe not seven, but, mm -hmm. <laughs> but for yeah. a while. And so we went and saw him in it and I was kind of like, yeah, I like, I was just bored a lot of the time. I was like, I really just don't know if this is my favorite story. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then, um, I saw The Man Who Invented Christmas, oh, yes. which is about Dickens writing it, for anybody who doesn't know. And um, I thought that one was interesting, but it was also kind of like a letdown to me. It just like wasn't everything that I wanted from it. And then I finally, a few years ago, I ha did a temp job around Christmas time doing like packaging um, for like, you know, like gift wrapping for the Christmas season at a company. And so I got on my parents' Audible account and just, like, listened to all of the Christmas stories that they had on there while I was doing this gift wrapping. And I listened to A Christmas Carol because I was like, dang, I've never read this. What the heck? I need to. And I kind of felt, you know, I love Dickens' writing as well. I just, I love the way that he structures sentences and his word choices. And I, and so I loved the, the writing behind it. But I remember feeling the same thing. I was like, this just isn't my favorite, you know? It's just... 
It's just never been my favorite story. I've never really connected with it. And so going into it this time, I would actually agree that it was a lot more enjoyable for me this time around. I started by when I started reading it, I was telling Tori this before, but when I started reading it, um, I was actually bored out of my mind. Like (laughs) reading the first chapter, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be reading this right now. Um, So I switched over to listening to it. Um, and listen to the chapters two through four focusing on Christ and it changed a lot of it for me because Mm -hmm. like I don't I didn't recognize before that that actually is the underlying focus of the story like I never quite picked up on the fact that Dickens is talking about coming to Christ and being Christ like Mm -hmm. um because he I mean he like kind of he references one time like what the three wise men were searching after right and there's there's like a couple of like vague references to it and so it was just enough for my mind to kind of like either skip over it or for me to just not remember that that Mm -hmm. was in it um because it's never hugely brought out in the adaptations i think um that aspect of it kind of gets glossed over so yeah that that actually changed it a lot like recognizing that dickens is telling people to come to christ and be more christ-like and looking at the way that Scrooge changes, which obviously we'll talk about, so I won't get into that. But yeah. but yeah, but looking at the way that he changes, I was like, okay, no, this is actually this is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is pretty <laughs> awesome. Pretty yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I still don't know. Reading it, I just I still I just don't yeah. know. For some reason, I just don't connect with the story in a way that it's just it's super enjoyable for me to read. But maybe one day, maybe one day I'll yeah. be older and wiser and <laughs> love it more. Believe in it, like it more. Yeah. With it more. Yeah. All right, let's get into our gospel principle, which of course is going to be focused around the atonement and repentance by extension. And so I'm going to very briefly introduce that topic. I feel like we're going to hit on it very hard in this discussion because it's all throughout this whole story. So we are taught in the scriptures that without the atonement of Jesus Christ, we must unavoidably perish. It is through him and his power that we have the chance to change, to overcome, to press forward in the purposes God has for us. In all things, we have become more than conquerors through him that loved us. And we get to explore how we're able to be transformed by Christ through a Christmas carol. So what is that quote from more than conquerors through him that loved us? It is Romans 8. Romans 8. I believe. Let me just make sure I'm looking at the right. I have like multiple scriptures pulled up, Mm -hmm. but I'm like, wait, yes. Romans 8, 37. Starting with the very beginning, a very good place to start. (laughs) Going back to Sound of Music. (laughs) Wrong one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Marley was dead to begin with. There is no doubt whatever about that. The register of his burial was signed by the clergyman, the clerk, the undertaker, and the chief mourner. Scrooge signed it, and Scrooge's name was good upon change for anything he chose to put his hand to. Old Marley was as dead as a doornail. And then he goes into his whole spiel about how there's nothing particularly dead about a doornail. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Dickens. Uh, Yeah. Paragraph two. So great. Rambling about doornails. Yes. It's and then he talks about how a coffin nail might be a better way to say it, but he wasn't in charge of the English language, so 
If you don't love Dickens, I really don't know what to do with you. <laughs> find that paragraph hilarious. You just have to not take it seriously. That's the key. Exactly. If you're like, if you're like, I don't understand Dickens. Like when I read Dickens, I'm like, what is going on here? The answer is nothing. Just yes. read and enjoy. <laughs> just the man likes Pro to tip. waffle on. Yeah. And he just likes to talk. Yeah. Yeah. Make all sorts of commentary that is just ridiculous. And if you really don't understand something, probably just skip it and you're fine. Yeah. You'll probably be all right. There's our pro tips. Pro tips for reading Dickens. We want you to read Dickens. Yes. Yes, do it. It's amazing. So yes, thus we entered the world of A Christmas Carol and we get to know Scrooge in this first chapter. The first chapter is about Marley's ghost. So we start off That's what getting it's called, to know. Even. Yes, look at that. So we see Scrooge end up just kind of being a horrible person. It's Christmas Eve and we see I think one of the most telling portions about like how deep his just terrible nature is at this point and selfish nature is is with his nephew 100%. for sure so his nephew comes in his nephew apparently isn't very rich in any way he's pretty poor but he comes in and he's just very friendly with this uncle but he, scrooge is giving him nothing he's just constantly like why are you so happy you have no reason to be happy get over it and the nephew like throws it back at him is like you seem to have every reason to be happy if wealth is what matters to you why aren't you happy like right. you clearly aren't just kind of beautiful yeah <laughs> so well done but he does it in such a like kind way like in just a very friendly and loving way of just like you're my uncle and I care about you and I wish that you would be happier and I think it's everything about the nephew is so good yeah it's interesting that he's coming from this place where like his mom died and who knows what happened to his dad we assume he probably is gone or dead too right and so really all he has is this uncle who is just super awful to him and doesn't care about him but he still hangs on to that and recognizes that Scrooge, like he's all Scrooge has too. So yeah. he he's just very compassionate and charitable in this moment. And I think it's so impressive. I would say that's the one thing about a Muppets Christmas Carol that I hate is the nephew comes across as very kind of overly teasing and sarcastic in this scene and i'm like you just it just seems like he's being very flippant yeah with scrooge instead of like the scene being a moment where you can see this familial tie that should be so important to both of them right that he's doing his best to try to keep alive as much as he can yeah yeah i love the line scrooge says good afternoon in a sense of like leave my shop goodbye Mm -hmm. right and the nephew says i want nothing from you i ask nothing of you why cannot we be friends and i'm like oh my gosh and then scrooge just repeats good afternoon and yeah and then we hear from the nephew later in a later chapter you know he says like I don't care what my uncle says or does every year on Christmas, I will go and I will invite him to our Christmas dinner. And I just, yeah, I love him and his just kind of his recognition of what does matter. Yeah. yeah, And his insistence on keeping to that and keeping Christmas and truly keeping that Christmas spirit. Yeah. And I think it's so amazing too, because we live in a world where it's so like cut, bad negative people out of your yes. life all the time and i think toxic people yes. yeah i get rid of them get rid of them and it's like but that's just not how christ would handle it right. he would just keep trying as much as he can yeah. and i think so i think that's a really good sign of 
Christ's love for us, of him just constantly being there, inviting us, trying to bring us in. It's just us that stands in the way of that relationship being there. For sure. We do not want to condone any kind of abuse with that statement, just to the point of saying toxic can kind of be a buzzword these days. And, you know, if you're in a relationship that is bad for your, like genuinely bad for your welfare and you need to leave it to be safe, then, you know, that's between you and, and God and what you need. But, but yeah, if you're just like, that person doesn't make me happy all the time you know (laughs) like maybe think about that again (laughs) they're so negative like okay so be the positive light in their life like he's never abusive to the nephew right the nephew's not being hurt because he's in his life Mm -hmm. yeah like it's his life maybe emotionally you know obviously when you open yourself up to somebody like that Mm -hmm. like there's a level of vulnerability but like he's fine yes yeah (laughs) Mm-hmm. He's. It's not like Scrooge is calling him names all the time or right. harassing him or yeah. anything like that. Or causing that. physical yeah. harm to him. It's coming from a place of he just doesn't care and yeah. he just thinks poorly of people. And yeah. the nephew just does the best he can with that, which I think, yeah. It's, it's admirable. So powerful. It's admirable. So yes. Christ did not live his life constantly in comfort and surrounded by people who adored him. Yeah. So. Far from it. <laughs> Far, Far from, from it. it. <laughs> So there are a few other instances we won't go too deep into of him just kind of showing that he is very self-centered and focused and just is not happy himself. And he does nothing to try to help other people feel any sort of happiness, including his poor clerk, Bob Cratchit, who he treats very poorly. So I wanted to bring that up because obviously he comes in more later. So there's a side note. We know Bob Cratchit. He's terribly yeah. treated by his employer well, he'll Scrooge. definitely yes. yeah more about him will come up for sure but yeah Scrooge is definitely he's not a good person no. that's the yes. beginning makes that very clear and you have to like like he's not a good person yes. period the end he's just not <laughs> yeah so there's that and then he goes home that night it's like i said christmas eve he goes home and that's when we have the scene with marley's ghost he like sees him on the door knocker and it's really it really creeps him out of course and it's kind of a fun little scene that he's just like did I really see that? But he's like, you know, he's not a superstitious kind of person. Like, you just can automatically sense that from yeah. him. So that's why he's probably Humbug. extra just like, <laughs> like he's questioning everything about himself. Yeah. <laughs> and there's also, okay, this is a side note, but I really loved it because it's not in any of the adaptations. And so reading it, I was like, what? Why is this in here? I mean, I know why it's in there. It's just extra beautiful foreshadowing where it talks about him walking up the staircase and it being wide enough for a hearse. And then it's like, maybe that's why it kind of looked like the shadow of a hearse was going up in front of him. And I was like, that was delicious. Interesting. Dickens. I didn't even (laughs) think about that. Just this great foreshadowing of like. It's almost like the idea of the spirits like setting it all up. They're like setting the night up for him. Getting prepared (laughs) of just like you. And even beyond just like what's going to happen with the spirits. But also like right now his future is he is going to die tonight. 
like that this is the night where in the morning like he'll be he's going to be passing away on Christmas day and so it's like so great that he's like following a hearse the hearse is going mm-hmm. before him up the stairs I was super like, interesting that was so great why is this never in the adaptations I've seen right. but it just has a shadowy purse going up wonderful so anyway so yes we have the marley ghost he comes in and basically explains to scrooge all about how the afterlife works that they're going to carry a chain that they forged in life which i really love too is Mm, very that imagery yeah just reflective of we create our own trials most of the time I mean, you know, when it comes to sin, I should say, obviously just life causes trials, but you know, we can often cause our own trials, especially in the next life. We're causing our own suffering if we're not willing to repent and take Christ's power upon us to Mm. transform us. And that's Marley never let himself be transformed before he passed. And so in some ways, even though it's hard to fully understand how the spirit world will work and clearly Dickens was coming from a perspective of not having that full understanding of the next life with the plan of salvation, he's still portraying this idea of people paying for their sins, but there kind of is this sense that maybe it is possible to move past that, that for a while they have to be suffering for those sins and then they move on to another level. It doesn't outrightly say that, but it kind of gives some hints there, which is very much how the plan of salvation works, is that carrying that as long as you need to, to suffer and pay for them, and then you'd move on to your kingdom of glory or whatever. So I really like that little hint that there's always hope still. But I love that Marley doesn't even want Scrooge to have to go through what he's going through right now. He wants him to get as strong of an opportunity to change now as possible. And I think it's just a wonderful showing of how with our friends we can really make that impact of giving helping them to have opportunities to change as well and loving them through that yeah i i really love that imagery which is why i talked about it in the summary you know the the reward that awaits us is Mm -hmm. the reward that we earn and create you know Mm -hmm. and if you create a chain (laughs) then that's your reward and i really love that it specifically um, says that his chain is made of cash boxes, keys, padlocks, ledgers, deeds, and heavy purses wrought in steel. Because mm-hmm. um, it's just super interesting to think like those were his vices and his sins. And it, it makes it really, really personal and relatable, you know, in the sense of like, what is my chain? Like, what what am I forging and creating in myself what am I focusing on or idolizing you know what what are the things that that are pulling me down and that are going to affect me in the afterlife that are affecting me now and and will continue to affect me in the afterlife I thought that was super interesting and even just thinking about like it's the stuff that you put value on right in your life like it's kind of like this okay this is what you want then here, have it. It's all yours. Yeah. And it just weighs him down. It yeah. doesn't actually help him. It's Whereas true. if you're focused on better things, then you don't have those same weights. 
Right. If your value is elsewhere. Right. So. Christ's yoke is easy and his burden is light, mm-hmm. right? So if that's exactly. your focus, then that's your reward. Yes, exactly. <laughs> One other quick little note I do, and I kind of hinted at this already, but I really love in the book, and I think sometimes it's brushed over when people discuss A Christmas Carol, is the fact that Marley says it's an event of my procurement. Like, he's the one who made it happen. And I think there's power in that, too, of recognizing. Like, it wasn't just these spirits that were like, we should help Scrooge out. Like, Marley was like, please, can we help my friend? Because I don't want him to suffer what I'm suffering. And I think that's also just a beautiful show of friendship, which is why that book, Jacob T. Marley, is amazing. (laughs) Because it addresses, like, this idea of, he procured it he made it happen he kind of makes this deal with the spirits and in that book it kind of makes it like three he talks to a whole bunch of spirits and is like please is there anything we can do and he just hears the voices of three different spirits who say we'll help you and it ends up being the christmas spirits that come in and help him out but i really love that line and i think it just shows so much not only about the opportunity we have to play a role in each other's journeys with Christ, but also just the power within the story, the power of the friendship between Marley and Scrooge. Like, I think it it's easy to ignore the fact that they were really good friends, even though they were right. both terrible people. Like, right. they have this relationship where Marley is thinking about him in the afterlife when he's wandering the earth. And I really, really like that. So anyway, moving into... The next chapter, unless you had any other thoughts that you nope. want to share. Okay, perfect. So chapter two is the first spirit, the ghost of Christmas past, which is a very interesting spirit. And I always have such a hard time imagining the spirit. And I think in adaptations, he's the one that is so different in every adaptation, the way people portray mm-hmm. him. Which is fair. Because it's this he's the most difficult to like imagine the other two are like a big santa basically and the creepy like grim reaper kind of character they're pretty clear cut yeah exactly this one is like he looks young but he's also old and his face changes and sometimes he has some limbs and sometimes he doesn't it's like what the crap does this guy look like (laughs) horrifying that's what it looks like no wonder scrooge was scared into compliance yep (laughs) (laughs) better listen anyway so it's i really like this chapter i honestly think on this reread this was probably my favorite Hmm. part i mean the other two are great too obviously for their own reasons but i think it's just never stood out to me as much exploring his past but i really really liked it this time i guess part of it is i mean i'm I'm not old, obviously, but I feel like I'm reaching more of a point where I'm like, I'm fully in adulthood. And so maybe it's just I'm more self-reflective about some of these things than I used to be. And maybe that's why it stands out to me more this time. Mm. But I really like the idea of, I mean, Christ says, come to me as a little child, right? And so I think sometimes there is power in remembering what it was like to be a child, And to remember the feelings you had in your youth in regards to love, to your relationship with Christ. And I think sometimes as adults, we overcomplicate things. So seeing 
things through the simple purity of a child's eyes is very empowering. And I really like in this chapter, we already get to see that Scrooge has a part of him that is good. Like it's always been there because within this first ghost, he automatically is like, oh, he's having moments. And this is never in adaptations. I was telling Kariana about this and I'm so sad that it's not because I think it's so beautiful and shows a lot about his process of change. But he mentions a couple times where he starts to say something and he stops and the spirit's like, what? What were you going to say? And one of the times it was like, oh, there was a little boy who was singing carols at my door and I wish I had given him something. Or he says, oh, I just was thinking about my clerk and wishing that I could say something to him. And so you're already seeing these little moments of him realizing like feeling that purity and simplicity again and wishing that he could have applied that to the day before Mm -hmm. and been more gentle and more caring to the people around him and I just love that it it just goes to show that Scrooge is much more complex and sometimes I think we make him out to be which is what Christ is able to build off of that there's always that little smidgen of good somewhere in someone that Christ is able to magnify if we let him we all have the light of Christ Mm -hmm. in us right yeah yeah I would add to that as well like he sees um the Christmas party right he's an apprentice and he apprentices under a a phenomenal boss who teaches him about what is important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and you have to wonder where that transition happens between, yeah. you know, being with somebody who's so good to like, then it like transfers to, he had the gleam of greed, the gleam of greed in his eye that like became where the tree grew from. And I'm like, what happened in between? But right. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so you have this big Christmas party and the spirit is like, why were you so happy? He spent like three or four pounds on this. Like it did not cost him anything to do this. And Scrooge is automatically like, that's not what it was about. (laughs) Like he understands that he recognizes that it doesn't take a lot of money and it wasn't about what was spent on him. It was the kindness and the goodness that was showed to him. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he like, he has that understanding in him. It's not like he's ignorant of the fact that you can spread kindness without it costing a bunch of money and that that's not what actually matters in life. I also kind of a little bit of a tangent, but I thought it was really interesting seeing the story of Belle a little bit in this. Belle is the woman that Scrooge ends up falling in love with and they get engaged and then she ends up calling it off because he starts becoming his the greedy self that he becomes and she sees that and is like, I don't. I don't want this. This is not what I got engaged to. And I want something more for myself. And I know you don't actually want this either. And I'm not going to tie you down. And so she leaves and we end up getting to see this is another thing that's not in a lot of adaptations, but we get to see her older. And I love that it's just a little sign that her life wasn't ruined because of the agency of another, like just Mm -hmm. because something that could have been amazing. Like there's every chance if Scrooge hadn't become the man he became that they could have gotten married and been very happy. And she she probably would have been just as happy as she ended up being with this other man. But Scrooge didn't choose that path. But that didn't stop her from having that joy and having a family that she wanted and every and a man that she trusted and cared about. 
And so I really appreciate just that little hint that God's plan for us works with and despite the choices of other people and sometimes even our choices as long as we're willing to come back from that and I think that's just a good reminder that it's okay it may not work out exactly the way it could have but that doesn't mean that joy can't be yours Mm -hmm. just because of this one I love that yeah Scrooge could have been her plan and if he had chosen a different path then she could have stayed with him and it could have been her plan but because he chose a worse path she Mm -hmm. was yeah there was there was another plan that worked out just as well for her yeah that is a really powerful message so then we move into spirit number two which is the ghost of christmas present who is the jolly one and we love him this was definitely my favorite section yes (laughs) i think usually this is my favorite section plus this is a section in muppets christmas carol where they sing the song that's on my shirt Ah. so we do love that It's a joy. So anyway, we, yes, moving into Spirit 2, and I have a little bit more marked specific quotes in this part. So the first one being the first interaction that we have with the Ghost of Christmas Present, where he says, come in, come in and know me better, man. I think that's, I mean, that just screams Jesus. (laughs) Come in and know me better, man. Yes. And so I'm like, I just love that, that jolly invitation of like, come on, come in. Like the door is open. You're good to come in. And he walks in and he sees this spirit who's big and jolly and there's lights and decorations. And the ghost of Christmas present is wearing like a scabbard with no sword. It's all rusted, showing that just peace and like just a peaceful welcome, but still a sense of power. And I really love like we see the spirit of Christmas past and that spirit is very like reflective and a really good listener. Like throughout that first part, you see a lot of like good active listening by the past And then you see Ghost of Christmas Present, who is jolly and happy and welcoming. And I feel like both of those are just different aspects of Christ that we're seeing and getting introduced Mm. to him a little bit more. Um, It is interesting, too, though. I don't know. I don't know where I would fit this in on the aspects of Christ, but mm -hmm. the Ghost of Christmas Past feels just thinking about like that welcome and like come in and come know me better right Mm -hmm. just going like we were talking about the description of the ghost of christmas past and he's a little bit unknowable you know Mm -hmm. which is just kind of interesting to think about what the past is that we Mm -hmm. can reflect on it and try to understand it and apply it but it's just it's not completely knowable there are things that we're missing there are things that we don't understand i think that that does apply to christ a little bit you know like there is something uncomprehendable about a godly being right and somebody that that we haven't met in person necessarily and um and i think it's part of why we get to like constantly be striving to come to know him better so so i think yeah i i would say that there's something a little bit unknowable and ununderstandable about the ghost of Christmas past and Christ. Um, But then I like the comparison as well to him saying, come and get to know me better and welcoming us in to come and understand him. Yes. And I think, I mean, 
going, not necessarily connecting directly with Christ, but just with the idea of past and present. Like with past, it's unknowable and like we're not supposed to stay there. Right. We're not supposed to be there. It's supposed to be far away. We are supposed to be in the present. Yeah. So the ghost of Christmas present being the one that's welcoming and like, come in, come in, know me better. You can see him really well. Like (laughs) that's where we're supposed to be be existing and yeah. really trying is in the present not yeah. in the past and we shouldn't be too worried about the future we need to be welcomed yeah. in the present and allow us ourselves to be yeah to go ahead a little bit yeah the future is like shrouded right so the yes. past is like far mm-hmm. away and distant and unknowable the future is shrouded and the present is right here it is understandable you can be here and you yes. can be a part of it mm-hmm. and see it yeah yeah absolutely And that's the way it's supposed to be, like you Mm -hmm. said. (laughs) So the ghost of Christmas present and Scrooge end up having a little conversation where at the very beginning where he's like, the spirit's like, you've never seen the likes of me before. And Scrooge is like, I haven't. Have you many brothers? And he says more than 1800. (laughs) (laughs) Meaning all the ghosts of Christmas presents that come every since the first Christmas, um, which is just kind of a fun little throwing there but one line i really liked on this read through was scrooge says after this spirit spirit said scrooge submissively conduct me where you will i went forth last night on compulsion and i learned a lesson which is working now tonight if you have aught to teach me let me profit by it so we already see that he's much more willing to embrace the lessons that he's learning from the spirits and we didn't really talk about it in here and i don't want to spend too much time on it even though it is interesting symbolism but um at the end of the chapter with the ghost of christmas past he tries to turn the light out on the spirit and there's kind of a sense in this comment where he regrets that already he's like oh i was still being i was being compulsively made to learn that lesson at that time and i didn't take as good of advantage of it as i should have so i'm going to try better this time and so we're already seeing we saw him kind of reflecting and regretting with the ghost of christmas past and then the ghost of christmas present he's like okay what should I do? So he's yeah. already starting to live in that past, present, and future state. Right. And I love, yeah, we'll continue to see that growth as well. Whereas with the future ghost, he's like, you scare me, but I know that this is for my own good. Yes. And it's like the next step, you know, it's not just mm-hmm. like, okay, like I know I need to try harder. He moves from be- it being against his will to I need to try harder to this is for my good and please help me. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. I also do like the line right after that. What you just what you just read is "touch my robe." Oh the, yeah. The spirit tells him mm-hmm. to touch his robe, and it just makes me think of um, the woman with the issue of yes. blood, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know the idea of like the healing power of Christ and yeah. and how being near Him can heal us and help us and teach us in all sorts of ways. Another aspect, I just like a lot of the descriptions of the ghost of Christmas present. And one of the things I liked again on this read through was it mentions in on page 63 in my 
copy. I don't know oh, on other ones. I only have 60 oh, yeah. pages <laughs> in like, my copy. So, so I'm not going to be there. Anyway. Okay. So it says, it was a remarkable quality of the ghost, which Scrooge had observed at the Baker's, that notwithstanding his gigantic size, he could accommodate himself to any place with ease, mm. and that he stood beneath a low roof quite as gracefully and like a supernatural creature as it was possible he could have done in any lofty hall. And I love that, again, that symbolism of he fits everywhere. He's mm. his, that spirit of Christmas and meaning the spirit of Christ yes. fits everywhere. It can be, he can be in the greatest courts of the greatest kings and queens and be there for those children as much as he's in the shacks and on the streets with those who maybe don't feel that love in the same way, but can still feel him there and it's just such a powerful realization to realize he can he can be anywhere that is awesome that is awesome that is not the one i was thinking okay but that is awesome (laughs) so since we're on the description of the of the ghost i'll just i'll just add my last thought on that even though it's jumping more to the end that's all right. Um, of the of the chapter. Yeah, near the end of, of that chapter of chapter three, it says it was strange too that while Scrooge remained unaltered in his outward form, the ghost grew older, clearly older. Scrooge had observed this change, but never spoke of it until they had left a children's twelfth night party. When looking at the spirit as they stood together in an open place, he noticed that its hair was gray. Are spirits' lives so short? asked Scrooge. My life upon this globe is very brief, replied the ghost. It ends tonight. And I just, I, I was like, what is, why? <laughs> you know, like, that's not for no reason, right? Yeah. Like, why, why is that there? And I'm sure there are lots of interpretations that people could come up with. But one thing I was thinking about was just kind of like, the present is short, you know, mm-hmm. the present is like, just a moment, right? It's here, and it's gone. And it's here, and it's gone over and over again. And the idea like this, I don't know. I was just thinking about like life as our, pre- like our present state is life on this earth and it's so short. So like the moment you're in right now, the moment that you have the choice between something good, better or best or bad, <laughs> you know, like we have the choice in each moment to make those decisions and to change from one moment to the next. And it it's like that, you know, and then over the course of this life, we get old so fast and this life is so fast. And this is this is our time to make those choices. And of course we have other chances in, in the afterlife, but this is where it's easiest, right? This is where we decide who we are and the kind of person that we're going to become. And it's just such a short time. And so I really loved that symbolism of like the ghost of Christmas presents life passing so quickly and he spends it blessing people. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, they go, they just go from house to house. (laughs) He -hmm. shows them a couple of specific scenes, but then they go from house to house anywhere he's, where he's welcomed in Mm -hmm. the, all the connections of this ghost to Christ are amazing. Anywhere he's welcomed in, they just go around blessing people. And I love that he spends his short life in this day of probation, just choosing to bless anybody he can who welcomes him. And so, yeah, I just thought that that was a really, really interesting symbolism with his appearance, the idea of him getting older really, really quickly, because this is the time that he has and and what he chooses to do with that time. 
I really like that interpretation a lot. This is also the chapter where we really get introduced a little bit more to Bob Cratchit yes, and Tiny Tim. Oh. And they're so <laughs> sweet and poor Tiny Tim. Poor Tiny Tim. So sweet. And the part I'll that admit, I always up. makes me cry. I teared up at Tiny Tim. Really? Yep. It's <laughs> not it's not a normal me thing to do, but I teared up at Tiny Tim. <laughs> oh, but it's so cute. Oh. I know one scene in like the Disney animated adaptation that, that donald duck I, one no the um one. the jim carrey one where okay. jim carrey scrooge it's possible i've and, seen that one i don't remember yeah it's one that there's mixed feelings about there's aspects of it that i do really like though but one of the things i like and that always makes me cry is when bob says mrs cratchit asks how tiny tim did at church and he says as good as gold and better somehow he gets thoughtful sitting by himself so much and thinks the strangest things you ever heard he told me coming home that he hoped that people saw him in the church because he was a cripple and it might be pleasant to them to remember upon Christmas Day who made lame beggars walk and blind men see. That's where I teared up. <laughs> yeah, that's where I always tear up in the adaptation too. Like, oh my gosh. Oh, this cute, perfect little boy who's going straight to heaven. <laughs> Seriously. Everybody's so, Scrooge is so sad about the idea of him dying. I'm like, Scrooge, if that boy dies, he is going straight to God. I don't like, <laughs> it'd be way better worry. for him than it would be for you. Seriously. You do not need to be worried about that boy. <laughs> not at all. And it's so cute. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so direction. Perfect. And it just makes you think, like, I want to make sure I'm living in a way where I can remind people of Christ yeah. and who made lame men walk and blind men see. Yeah. Yeah, it's a reason I'm a huge advocate. I'm a huge, huge active advocate for, um, talking more about trials and issues yeah. within mm -hmm. the church, you know, and I try to bring my trials up, my self-inflicted and other people and life-inflicted ones all the same, you know, just because we all have them. <laughs> and so like, why be ashamed and keep them secret when instead we can use them to empower other people and to remind people of, of who has helped us through all of those things. Yeah. There's a beautiful scene in The Chosen uh, that I love, love, love. And it is around physical ailments, but I think it can be applied to those spiritual ones if we're willing to share them and talk about them as well, where it's a, it's one of the additions that they make. <laughs> it's not necessarily in the Bible, but I think it's uh, it's James, the um, little... The, little John little is it little John yeah. who is his hand is crippled right or I his leg does he have leg. a limb yeah because yeah, he, he has that cane thing yes yeah. he has a cane with, okay that's what I was connecting to his hand yeah yeah, yeah little John it's been a minute since I've oh, seen it now because I'm sitting here waiting for season four to come out <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but, but uh yeah so he has a cane with a limp and, um, you know, Christ has performed all of these miracles and healed all of these people. And little John is never asked to be healed. And I think one of the other apostles brings it up where he's like, why don't you just ask him, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and finally he goes to Jesus and is like, he doesn't ask to be healed necessarily. He just kind of like stumbles over like, why haven't you healed me kind yes. of thing? Like why, you know, question we ask all the time, why? <laughs> and, uh, and Christ talks to him. He's like, just paired them all up to send them on their own missions. And he's like, imagine the effect that you can have on people by bearing your testimony of me. And, and it's just, it's just this beautiful, beautiful scene where he's like, 
knowing that I have the power to heal, but not being healed, but still believing in me and testifying of me. Like imagine the power that that will have and the transforming the the way that you can transform other people's lives and testimonies through that. And, and that's just what I love, you know, is the idea of being able to use our problems and ailments, whether they're physical or spiritual or mental, whatever they might be to say, this is a problem and my life isn't perfect. And I haven't been healed all the way, but I know that this is true still. And I know that Christ has healing power. I know that he's here for me and I know that he has helped me regardless. And it's just, it's such a powerful message. So anyway, there's my extended tiny <laughs> speech because it's just, Great. oh, it's just so beautiful. Yes. <laughs> it okay. It so is. So is. Um, I do love, I did want to bring up the fact that Bob Cratchit makes a point of toasting Scrooge. <laughs> I do really, really love that because we were talking about the nephew and it reminds me of kind of that gratitude, you know, and he's maybe not as jovial about it as his nephew because his, I mean, his life is kind of more directly impacted and he is kind of made miserable because and of Scrooge. And he doesn't Scrooge. have this relationship <laughs> that's like meant to be a good relationship necessarily. Right, necessarily. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he doesn't have this familial tie and his life and his family's lives are being directly impacted by Scrooge's frugalness and, mm-hmm. and cruelty. Um, so, you know, so there's a little less joy in it versus the the party that his nephew is having they're all just kind of laughing about scrooge Mm -hmm. bob cratchit brings scrooge up and his wife gets pretty upset about it but they're willing to toast to scrooge's help and i like that he calls him the master of the feast you know because ultimately scrooge is the one who provided Mm -hmm. the means for them to be able to come together on on christmas day and um that's actually another thing is that scrooge does give him christmas off (laughs) (laughs) that is kind of that initial he's super grumpy about it Mm -hmm. but he knows how much it means to Bob Cratchit and he gives him Christmas day off, mm-hmm. even though he doesn't want to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I just, I do appreciate that Bob is very grateful for what he does have. Um, and I think that that's really impactful on Scrooge on recognizing like, you know, because Scrooge has this attitude of like, you have nothing to be happy about. Like, why are you happy when you have nothing to be happy about? Bob says, well, I do have something. Here it is. Yeah. And thank you for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just think that that's a really, really beautiful and an important part that I really appreciated. Yeah. I there agree. are lots that's of beautiful great. and important parts, but that's yes. the one that I'm like, this is the one I need to say. That's a solid one. Love yes. it. That's so good. I'll let, I'll let the rest of them go. <laughs> <laughs> so good. There's just so many good things. So, yeah. Especially when you have something so short like this, you know, it's like, wait, no, there's something going on every page. Yes, and the way Dickens writes just lends itself to a lot of different thoughts and stuff, too, which is great. For sure. Don't worry, we've already talked about coming back to it. Yes, yes. We'll definitely do more episodes about A Christmas Carol. (laughs) Might be a Christmas tradition. Yes. We'll just come back to it again and again. Yes. Um, Anyway, so. I know I said that it's not my favorite. That does not mean that there aren't lots of good lessons to be learned from it and beautiful things. There's good stuff. It's still Victorian literature. (laughs) You know. With everything in that. There's so much to get out of Victorian literature. So good. We love it. So then moving into the next part with the ghost of Christmas yet to come, who is very different from the first two. Yes. And it's always interesting to think about what would the ghost have been like if 
Scrooge had been a better person and it wasn't like that yet to come wasn't so bad like Mm. if it was more of a good Christmas yet to come as of where he was at when he went to bed basically but anyway I think it's interesting thinking back to our conversation earlier about how each ghost kind of represents a different aspect of Christ okay when we were having that conversation I was like what will I say about the ghost of Christmas yet to come because he's so dark and scary for sure but I would say he probably represents the idea of knowledge and wisdom that Christ has Mm. like, and he changes based on what is needed for the person and what the truth is for that person based on where they're at. Right. And so for Scrooge, he's in a position where he, it's almost like if he doesn't change, God has no further use for him on earth. Like this is his chance to change. Mm. And if he doesn't, then his time on earth is over because God doesn't have interesting. Okay, your time's up. This is like a big last chance to like make a decision if you want to try to change your life or not. Yeah. And you mentioned that at the beginning and I was like, I didn't read that into it, but that Mm -hmm. does make sense. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, this is your time. And so if you go one direction, you'll get more time because God will have more use for you because you'll be more prepared to accomplish things. Yeah. But if you don't, then it's over and I love that perception of understanding that God gives us as much time as we need yeah to make the best of our lives and sometimes we don't understand that because obviously there are lives that are lost so soon and tragedies that happen right. and you just don't know right. and so I want to make it clear like sometimes we just don't understand what God's we're not claiming like. to know why no. somebody close to you passed away too soon yes uh-huh. <laughs> yeah no, 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 no. But I think there is a comfort in recognizing that God knows what he's doing with the time he's giving us on this earth yes. and knows exactly what his plan is um, beyond that, which, yeah, it's just very hopeful and empowering. Yeah. I was, when you mentioned like what aspects of Christ does, does he represent? I was like, what came to my mind was um, the idea of judgment Um, because we're taught that Christ is our like actual judge in the final judgment, right? As somebody, he, you know, he's the one who perfectly understands us and has literally experienced everything that, that we go through. And so he's the one qualified to judge us at the final judgment. And I don't know, like the kind of that grim reaper feel, you know, he's like, He gives me the sense of like standing in judgment of screwed, Mm. you know, he's just like pointing and saying like, this is your end you the know justice side exactly yeah. exactly yeah that judge and justice side of of how things work you know he's he's standing there saying this is how it ends and this is who you are and this is what you're gonna get you know mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and so yeah and Scrooge is sitting there saying like I'm a changed man I'm a changed man but he hasn't done anything about it yet which he hasn't had the chance to um but you know like at this point he has his works haven't changed and he has like there's nothing to show that he's actually changed and so this this ghost of christmas yet to come is kind of standing in this like judgment as of right now this is where you stand and that's that kind of kind of feeling that's another aspect that i would give him 
briefly on a writing point, I do love in this third part where he's clearly in denial about what's happening, but it doesn't actually say that. Like you just it's know, so yeah. obvious Every, that it's you him. Reading, you're like, <laughs> obviously it's you, Scrooge. But he just keeps being like, oh, this this guy, this guy, it will be just like what I'll have to go through and all this stuff. But you like know that he knows. He he knows how obvious it is too. He's just scared. I was thinking about and that. I, think, I was like, didn't they like say your name? Like, how do you not know what's going on right now? Right? You're like, what in the world? <laughs> yes, but, I agree. He's yeah, totally in he's denial. He's very in denial. But I think it's very telling about you know the ghost of Christmas yet to come it seems like Scrooge has kind of already started to make those changes like we've seen him make For comments sure. in earlier sure. chapters his and heart so, has changed yeah but like sizes. as the reader you're like okay why do you have to put this poor guy through this to like see his grave like why do we have yeah. to get to there like the spirit is very insistent of, like you have to see and I realized that because like, the whole time he's denying it still. And he's, like, in denial about this and just not wanting to believe that it's him. And it's almost keeping him from actually progressing. Like, he's like, if I just ignore it, it's not. If I just mm. pretend like it's not me, then I don't have to worry about it. But then he has to end up embracing and, like, looking at the grave and accepting that is me. That's This is what's going to happen. And so I need to change. Like, it needs to become a much more clear, firm decision for right. him to get the time that God wants to give him. Those extra several years that he lives, ends up living on Earth, doing good and accomplishing a lot, he needs to have this moment where he actively decides and all of us have to have that moment multiple moments yes <laughs> for sure where we just decide i am going to follow jesus like right. dancing along these different lines is just never going to actually change us yeah. and so it's a very clear-cut scrooge needs to make the decision he can't just kind of dance around it and be like okay, yeah, I probably should do better. Like, ooh, maybe, yeah, I should learn that lesson. Like, it's like, no, you need to do it. <laughs> you need to go out and change the way you're living. And it's when he does that that the vision ends and he wakes up on Christmas morning and everything's different for him. Yeah, I like it. Where it becomes more than just theoretical, right? Mm -hmm. I remember um, growing up in young women's, they would always teach us make the decision beforehand, mm -hmm. right? So that when temptation comes, the decision is already made. And I remember like, as it growing up as a young woman in the church, I was like, okay, yeah, you know, like, I believe in this, I want to follow the commandments, I'm going to make these decisions. And then as I got older, and uh, broke some commandments, <laughs> right. I realized, I was like, that doesn't actually work. Like I can't, when I'm 13 years old, say I'm never going to do this and make that decision and call it done. Mm -hmm. That's not, that's not actually how it works. It, yeah. it, that's, you have to constantly be making that decision and you have to, why, <laughs> you know, yeah. like Scrooge is almost introduced to like the why, like here's the consequence. This is why you need to change, right? A why at least. Yes. Um, uh -huh. And yeah, so that's just something that that I definitely am like if I could go back and like teach myself anything as as a young as a younger woman, I'd say like <laughs> modify this vice <laughs> advice a little bit, you know, like yes, decide beforehand, of course, but then you have to be 
firm in that decision. I love the word firm that you used. You have to be firm in that and constantly have it in your heart and as your guide and understand and know why that decision matters to you and and what you're trying to get towards and what you're not trying to get towards. You have to know your destination to be able to follow that journey. And now he knows the destination of his current journey so that he can change course to a different destination. So that's what I try to encourage people to do is like, you know, know where you're going and, and adjust to where you want to be going and constantly be making the decisions to get there because just saying like, Oh yeah, I'll do that. You know, like he is, at the beginning of this chapter, like I'm a changed man, I'm going to do things differently. <laughs> it just doesn't, it doesn't stick and it doesn't work like that. Yeah. We don't work like that. Our memories are too short. Yes. That's why the ghost of Christmas present died after yes. a night because the present is gone. You have to do it again. <laughs> yes. Yes. I think that's a great point. Yeah. And then we get to the end of the story where he wakes up Christmas morning and he is a changed man. He is ready to take on the world. I mean, he's, there's like all sorts of, you mentioned the why he's got all these reasons why he wants to change. And it's all much more solid in his head after the final ghost. And he goes out and I love, I love so many things about this last chapter. Yes. Because, okay, so first of all, he calls down to this boy in the street and is like, what's the day to have an understanding of what exactly the spirits had done and they had ended up doing it in one night instead of the three like Marley made it sound like. And so he's all excited. Anyway, so he talks to this boy and I love that like in this interaction, he's really nice to the boy and like asks for his help in a very friendly way. But he goes beyond that to being like very complimentary of the yes. boy. Like he's delightful like, boy. He's so delightful. He's so smart. What a like <laughs> smart little boy and stuff. Like he doesn't even know this kid at all. But he's just and I'm like, I just love that it goes it's it's so much more personal. Than yeah. just simply like being genu- generally friendly. Like he's like, no, like this is like a child of God basically yeah. that I'm talking to right now. How cool is that? Like yeah. if we could all have the same attitude about talking to each other and being like, wow, meeting what an a person, person and looking for, yeah, yeah. those amazing qualities. And just loving that. I, I just, the world would be a better place. Boy, that just killed me. Yes. Yeah. No, it really is. It's awesome. And he even like says it under his breath. So, you know, it's like actually just in his heart. Right. The way he feels. And it just comes out of just, him. Yeah for face or anything i just love it and so that's wonderful and then he even like leaves the house and like says he loves the door knocker and just like remember well it will remind him for the rest of his days just like these little he's starting to notice little good details and having that gratitude and where it specifically says like he never thought about the door knocker like at the beginning when it turns to marley's face he says he's hasn't thought about marley and he never thinks about his door knocker Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden he's looking at this door knocker and so grateful for it yes Uh, (laughs) it's amazing that those reminders that he's paying attention to but amidst all of this i love that he's still himself Mm. like you have him talking to the man who is trying to raise funds for the poor and he ends up being like oh i'll give you this much we don't know how much but it's clearly a lot and the man's like oh are you kidding me and he says there's a whole lot of back payments in that and obviously like it's 
a sweet thing because he's like, you know, all these years I haven't been donating and doing what I can to help the poor. So now I need to do as much as I can. But it's still like, who else? Who says back payments? It's a business like, transaction. Have, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like he's still him. And then even with like Bob Cratchit and he's like, I'm going to make sure that he's this much late. And like, yes. he's very meticulous. He shows up to work early like, the day yes. after Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Just to be like, look, he's late. Just to catch him being late and stuff. And so like, he still has this like, detailed clock mindset and yeah. stuff like he still has all of this he's just like using it in a more positive way and i really i really love that like it's that not like cool. he changed his whole personality and who he is and how he thinks he just applied how he thinks and who he is in a much more positive direction yeah. which is like the power christ gives us is we're still us like he wants us to be unique and bring our own strengths and weaknesses to the table he just will teach us where how to use them in a way that will best suit us and all those around us and him and his plan yeah yeah for sure i focused in just on the fact that he's positive in the first place Mm -hmm. i'm like isn't it such an amazing aspect of the atonement that if we truly understand it and are using it right, it just brings joy, you know? It makes me think of President Nelson talking about the joy of repentance, where there's just such a, you know, there's such a stigma around the idea of repentance, of it being sorrowful and depressing. And and the fact is that sin brings sorrow, right? And repentance brings joy. <laughs> and so, so, yeah, we just have this sense of like, you think about these ghosts he he kind of just had a traumatizing awful experience yeah. like yeah. like really if he were like shaken knowing how i feel when i wake up after a nightmare where my life is in danger like it shakes me for an entire day you know and it's hard for me to be in a good mood and the man just saw his grave and was told this is your future yeah. <laughs> if you don't do this like you he could justify being shaken and being scared and acting out of fear, right? This is a really fearful why for a reason to change, which I feel like is one thing that I would probably adjust about this book and show because they show a really fearful scene, but then he obviously understands that this is a really joyful change. And I would probably add something in between there of saying like, this is why it's joyful, (laughs) you know? Um, That's like one of the one, one thing that I would adjust maybe um, just to get that across better, because I love that he understands that like, this isn't, it's not scary and it's not shameful and it's not guilty. It's not, it's not any of those things. It's, I've done things wrong and that is so unfortunate and I'm so grateful that I have the chance to continue on and that's such a good reason to be happy and excited and share that excitement with everybody else. Mm -hmm. So that joy that he felt was really, really impactful to me. I love that so much and it actually transitions well into one of my last points that I have where I love that he goes to his nephews for Christmas dinner yes like I just think because it would have been so easy to be like oh the best way he could live his life now is to go along the street and just give all his money to all these poor people and stuff but like part of what Christ in essence is trying to teach him is to appreciate the relationships he has. Yeah. And so he goes to his nephew's house, but it's not like it's a service to his nephew. 
Right. Like, I mean, in some ways it is because like we mentioned at the beginning, like this is this relationship that it's the last either of them has as far as family, like blood relatives. But it's also for Scrooge himself. Like that connection is just as much a service to him as it is to his nephew. But it's still within Christ's plan. It's like still a huge part of what we should be doing here and what will bring us the eternal joy that we're seeking after is Mm. being with those we love. Yeah. Just playing games and coming closer together. Yeah. yeah. Building those bonds. Yeah. No, I do. I do love that. When he sees, he recognizes that when he dies, there's not one person who will feel any remorse over it. You know, Mm -hmm. there'll be people who are glad that he's dead, people who are pining after his things, people who are benefited by it financially, but nobody who is sad about it. And, and yeah, I may, I'm I'm sure that plays a huge part in thinking about those connections that he has. And, you know, he, I, they don't talk about it, but how could he not be thinking I have this nephew, like I'm asking this ghost to show me somebody who's sad about me dying. And I have this nephew who comes and visits me and tries to be friends with me, but he's not sad that I passed away, you know, and what does that say about this relationship and um, about how much I can almost get away with, right? Yeah. So I, I, I agree. I think that is a beautiful point. One scripture that I wanted to bring up in relationship with all of this and with Christmas and everything is Isaiah chapter 53, verses 3 through 5. It says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. I love that reminder, too, in reference to Scrooge and then to all of us, that Scrooge suffered a lot in his life and part of that came from his own choices obviously and not only did Christ make it possible for him to change he also understood him completely and understood that a lot of this bitterness and negativity and grumpy selfish person that he's become came from a place of hurt in some ways And a place of just suffering through mortal life and having a hard time facing the trials and the temptations that we face in everyday life. And Christ knew how to give him the strength to get past that and overcome that because of the suffering that he suffered. That's how Christ is with all of us. He understands our sorrows and our griefs. And even when we don't care about him or have moments where we maybe forget how much he has done for us or maybe doubt whether we actually believe in him, those things are still facts. Like he still understands us. And when the time is right, he will always give us those opportunities that we need to come closer to him if we and then we can choose to take that on or not. But those opportunities are always there. And that's one of the greatest powers of the atonement is that we can always change and we can always have the strength to overcome and move forward. 
So that is everything. So thank you all for watching on this lovely Christmas day. I don't know if you're actually watching or listening to this on Christmas, but even if you're not, we hope you had a wonderful Christmas. Little reminder, of course, to like and subscribe if you are able to on YouTube and also leaving a review elsewhere if you are listening on Spotify or other places wherever you're listening to podcasts. Also follow us on Instagram if you want information about upcoming things we have going on as well as just nice little posts on your feed about God and about us. <laughs> so that will all be there. Also if you're interested in seeing what I'm reading you can check that out on the channel Good Strong Words on YouTube. Definitely go over there. And in the end, I think it's only right and fitting to end our little episode here with the words of Tiny Tim. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas!